Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit who comforts us. In the name of Jesus, amen. So we meditate on the cross this evening and for the next Wednesdays throughout Lent, and we see that the cross is necessary in every way. It is the only means that God has provided for our salvation. Christ had to suffer. Christ had to die. And this is what the Christ has come to do. It's why Jesus was born in the manger. It's why Jesus ministers throughout Galilee. It's why the Holy Lord and God of the creation enters into this universe. The Christ is a suffering servant who has come to bear the burden of our sins. As Isaiah says, seven or eight years before Christ comes, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, and upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This prophetic word from God given through his prophet tells us exactly what Jesus the Christ has come into the world to do. And so as we read this evening from Matthew 16, we hear St. Peter make his good confession. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Only then in the next few breaths to deny the cross of Christ immediately afterward. And why is that? Why is the cross such an offense to Peter, who so dutifully and lovingly says, yes, you are the Christ, the Son of God, when then he just turns and says, not so, my Lord, not the cross for you. Why is it that we, with our sinful flesh, can from one side of our mouths rejoice, saying, Jesus is the Son of God whom we love, and on the other side of our mouths call the cross, an offense. And perhaps you don't see it when it happens, but it does. As we see, so much of modern Christianity wants to make the life of the church about anything but the bearing of the cross. They present Jesus as maybe the, the moral activist or the, the, the radical advocate. Uh, the, the recent He Gets Us commercial from the Super Bowl had images of people washing other people's feet as they want to make the life of the Christian all about our acceptance of other people, our good works, our bold political stances, or whatever other edgy teaching we want to advocate. But then, when it comes down to it to preach the message of Christ dying for unworthy sinners, so much of the Christian world is silent. Even us. How often do we go up to our neighbors when we want to present the gospel to them and say, I'm an unworthy sinner for whom Christ has died. Peter did not want his Lord to go to the cross. No, thank you. As we as sinners attempt to rationalize our own place in the world, we don't say, I'm a sinner who's saved by Jesus' grace alone. No, 
Do we immediately fall to our knees and confess that we're nothing and we deserve nothing but the wrath of God, but for the sake of the cross? No, more often than not, our flesh wants to make that beautiful case for me. I'm a good person. I go to church unlike those other people. I'm not a drunkard. I'm not a swindler. I'm not a whatever. As we list our virtues, as we list reasons, while our sins are not as bad as those other sins, as we seek to proclaim our glorious works, but the cross, well, we have to be led back to that. It's not something that we inherently want to seek for ourselves. It's not something we inherently want to delight in. It's something we will avoid. Suffering, sorrow, denial of self, no thank you. Peter did not want his Lord to go to the cross. He wanted the Lord to accomplish his mission by any other means. The Holy One of God was not meant to suffer. He's meant for honor and exaltation. Peter wanted Jesus' following to grow. He wanted Jesus to start a movement so that he could be the head of a revolution that would unite the Jews and spark a nationalist campaign to reclaim the inheritance of God's people from the Romans. That's the Messiah. That's the Christ Peter was looking for. That is what he saw the Lord's anointed accomplishing in the world. And that's because the desires of the flesh are often not same, the same as the will of God. As St. Paul writes to the Galatians, he says, For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these two are opposed to each other to keep you doing the things that you want to do. See, the flesh does not want a suffering Savior who dies to destroy sin and death. No, the flesh wants to be gratified. And there's nothing more gratifying to the flesh than the exaltation of the world. See, it's a theology of glory that the flesh yearns after, as a theology of glory seeks worldly success worldly acclaim. It it seeks to achieve earthly victories over earthly problems using earthly means. It's about our strength, our power, our wisdom, and our works being noticed and rewarded. It expects personal success and personal victory. It's the story we always want to say about ourselves. I'm always growing. I'm always improving. I'm always becoming a better person. I'll orient myself and Uh, so that I'm more virtuous, more wealthy, more healthy, more strong, more wise, and then people will notice me. I'll be better. And it's not always the truth. Because even as we put forth our best efforts and do all that we're supposed to do, those same old sins keep popping up, don't they? Whatever we may want... The cross defies us at every turn. As Peter objects to the cross, because you know what? That cross doesn't bode well for Peter either. Peter confesses Jesus, the Christ. If the Christ is crucified, what does that mean for Peter? Jesus says to the women who are weeping in the sight of his suffering during his passion in Jerusalem, they they see him following and bearing his cross up to Golgotha, And he turns to them and says, Daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. Behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. And they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, 
what will they do when it's dry? You think about the green tree. The green tree is fruitful. It's a good tree. And what are they doing to the good tree? They're crucifying it. But the dry wood's already dead. That's us. Are we not sinners? Are we not deserving of what is given to our Lord, even as he suffers for us? Yes, we are. Christ, he's a sinless son of God. But even he is hated in this world, and he's killed as a sinless offering for many. Peter, he can't handle this idea of cross. If the Son of God is put to death in such a shameful and hateful manner, certainly Peter's not going to receive any better in this world. For Christ to bear the cross... And for Peter and all who follow him, that means that we'll have to bear the cross as well. Yet his cross is better than ours. His cross achieves what our crosses cannot. As St. Paul rightly says, for the word of cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. His cross is more severe but his cross is also more powerful because it is by the suffering and death of Jesus that God's power is worked out for our salvation. And St. Peter makes another confession later in life after seeing what had taken place. He says, He bore himself in his body our sins on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness for by his wounds we are healed. This is the power of the cross of Jesus. It's the Son of God acting in perfect humility, perfect self-denial out of love for us poor sinners. It is through his suffering and death that we are healed. His cross saves us. It achieves what pride and glory would always fail to achieve. As all those things that our flesh seeks to use to glorify ourselves, they're overrun and overshadowed by Jesus. In his great work of humility and love, his cross is the saving cross. And yet to know his cross, and as we know his cross, we are called to bear crosses of our own. As Jesus, after rebuking Peter, saying, Get thee behind me, Satan, says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And this is the nature of the little crosses that we must bear. But really, in the root of all of it is the denial of ourselves. As Christ denied himself and considered his suffering a joy, as it says in Hebrews, Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, his suffering, his humiliation, his pain, and his death were endured with joy. And why? Because of what this cross accomplishes. It saves. It earned Jesus a beloved and sanctified bride to be his own for eternity. And it was love for us that drove him to his dear cross. And indeed, it is this same love living in us that drives us to live in the midst of our crosses. And the cross of the Christian 
as the life that is lived in faith, even amid the assaults of the devil and sin and the wicked world. And these three enemies of the gospel will call us always to take comfort in us, find solace in us, as the world says, hey, look at our pleasures, look at our comforts, look at how much fun we're having, see how easy it is for us. Don't you want to be accepted? Don't you want our friendship? Come on, join us. And the devil always is working in the mix, saying, I can give you all of the joy without any of the sorrow. Just indulge yourself. You need to think more about yourself. Do what you want for a change. You can be a lot happier if you take what you want and do what you want and do what pleases you. Come on. It's fun. And then our flesh kicks in and says, oh, I really do deserve it. I've done so much, and what has it done for me? I want a piece of what the world has to give. Why do I constantly have to deny myself? Why can't I have just this one little thing that I want? Whatever it may be. Of course, we listen. And then, you know, spouses decide they're not happy with their marriages anymore, or children decide to grow bitter towards their parents for not giving them what they want, or... Pastors begin to grow restless in their callings and itch to serve in a different place with different people. Or church members begin finding fault in every aspect of their congregation. And they begin to grow angry about the lack of recognition they get for all of their service. And rather to bear with each other in patience and love, applying the gospel to each other as they're called to love and live in peace and in unity, people grow bitter. They seek love and affirmation in all the wrong places, and they tear down what many have labored to build. And they begin to see themselves as something other than a poor sinner who lives alone by the grace of God worked out in the cross of Christ. And this is often why believers fall away. As the dependence and trust in the gospel are consumed and displaced with love of self, we see this happen in the parable of the sower, as the cares and the pleasures of this world choke out the seeds that are sown among the thorns. And this is what Jesus calls us to flee from. The cross that we are called to bear is the denial of our own sinful desires. It's the denial of the acceptance and love of the world. It's the denial of self-indulgence and the gratification of sin. It's the calling to live in repentance and by faith alone. We see Jesus in denying himself worked out our salvation. That is his cross. It is the saving cross. And for us, our self-denial, our simple life of faith, it is that life that acknowledges that our pride is not good for us, our desires and our works earn us nothing. But it is a life that recognizes that our passions are sinful and must be fled from. That the desires of the flesh are contrary to the spirit, and that is life under the cross. As his cross is the one that's the necessary means from our salvation. And while my cross doesn't save anyone... Well, my cross is certainly necessary as it tears me away from myself 
and causes me to see who I need. To bear your cross means to repent of those sins that do not save, those sins that bring the flesh so much pleasure. It means to show love and patience to one who does not show love and patience to you in return. It means to endure the pain that our separation from the world will often bring us. It means being labeled as no fun, or even by many in the world as a judgmental bigot for your refusal to participate in all of their sinful spectacles. It means that you will love and not be loved in return. It means that you will provide comfort with no comfort for yourself. It means self-discipline and Bible study and worship and in prayer. But above all, it means joy. Taking up our crosses is just not an act of stoic self-control. Taking up our crosses means that we're following Jesus. This is the life that is filled with greater promises than our flesh could ever conceive of. As the world is often looking for its next dose of comfort through pleasure, well, we're never deprived of comfort. Even amid our sorrows, we have comfort, we have joy, we have assurance, we have an inheritance. As his cross gives all of our crosses meaning, as all of our sorrows, all of our sufferings, all of our crosses exist to draw us in to his cross. As it says in Romans, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that we might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those, born he, those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he is also glorified. Do you hear that? God glorifies his Christians, both through the cross of his Son and then in the bearing of the cross that they have in the world. Dear friends, bear that cross with joy as it draws you closer and closer to our dear Lord Jesus. Allow these crosses to strip from you all false hope and false comfort that you seek in yourself or from the world or from the promises of the evil one. As these crosses, crosses drive us to Christ, the saving cross, the one where we have life and salvation through the forgiveness of sins. Our old Lutheran fathers referred to their crosses as das Lebe Kreuz, or the dear cross. Know that your crosses are suffered in union with Christ as baptized children of God. We know that whatever our dear Lord gives us is for our good. And the crosses that we bear are a blessing given from our beloved Father. We know that whatever the Lord sets before us works for our God and causes us to endure in faith. We do not bear our crosses without hope, as the cross that saves has already been carried for you. So, my dear friends, bear the burdens that you have in this life. Bear the crosses that you have in this life, knowing that they are necessary. But knowing also that they will build and bless 
and help as we live in this world. Trust in the Savior and look to the joy that is set before you with him. As we leave our sermon this evening with the encouragement that Peter gives to the church as he bears his cross. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you are grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you do not see him, you love him. And though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That is what the cross brings us. It brings salvation. Though now we are burdened for a little while, the time is coming where the burden will be lifted and we will follow Christ through the cross, through the grave, into glory. Let us pray. Gracious Father in heaven, as this world often wants to tempt us with promises of glory, help, and comfort, help us to look nowhere near ourselves or from the world, but always from the cross of Jesus for our salvation and our hope in you. And in that cross, help us to bear the crosses of faithfulness as we live as those who follow after Jesus into eternal life. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in the true faith and the life everlasting. Live in Christ's peace. Amen. We rise.